This is the last of a three episode series focused on the changelog. Episode 200 kicked off the series with keepachangelog.com and Olivier Lacan. In 201, we had Ned Batchelter discussing Scriv, and now in 202, Hinnick joins the show to discuss Town Crier. Town Crier is used by Twisted, Pytest, Pip, BuildBot, and Adders, among others. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun, a refreshingly different domain name registrar with over 500 domain extensions available. Porkbun offers everything from .com and .net to .app, .tech, and .dev. Every Porkbun domain comes with lots of freebies like SSL certificates, who is privacy, URL forwarding, and hosting trials, all backed by five-year support, 365 days a year. For tech folks, it gets even more exciting. They've even launched a new AI-generated search tool using ChatGPT that is leading the change in how people search for domain names. To celebrate the fifth anniversary of .app, Porkbun is offering a .app or .dev domain name for free to Testnicode listeners. To get your .app or .dev domain name for free, visit porkbun.com slash testencode or click the link in the show notes. Thank you, Porkbun, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Test and Code. So you uh, you got involved with Town Crier through Twisted, is that right? Yes, Town okay. Crier grew out of the Twisted uh, ecosystem. It was uh, written by Amber Brown, also known as um, Hawk Owl, which I probably don't know how to pronounce. There's way too many W's for my uh, Middle European tongue to pronounce properly. And yeah, it started as a twisted tool. And uh, over the years, it got quite widely used. But uh, it always had a bit of a problem with uh, not getting enough love mostly uh regarding documentation was okay. a big problem but still it was used by big pr projects like pip for example is using it oh or, really okay yeah yeah or others for that matter like i've been using it for a long time and i got i i could noticed it because pytest uses it as well well there you go yeah um and but so it is it's on one of those tools of uh automating the change log is that too yes. simple or um i mean in a way it's maybe more too general it's not about automation it's about avoiding merge conflicts on the change log that is the sole reason for it to exist this is the reason why uh blurb exists or scriff or reno and what name you all these tools just want to uh prevent the situation that multiple people have open pull requests okay. and try to write their changes to the change log at the same time and just keep having conflicts between those because if it's a flat file and the order is the same then you get conflicts so these tools allow you to put this change log entries into separate files that have unique file names and uh you assemble them to a change log when you release the file uh, release the software like the next version and this way you cannot have 
merge conflicts on the changelog because the changelog does not exist until you release. Okay. Yeah, so there you're not going to have merge conflicts because everybody's merge has its own uh fragment or file fragment. Yes, okay. it's called news fragments usually. Okay, news fragment. Um so I was just like looking at so that I had something to look at. I've been looking at the pytest. So in the pytest repository, there's a changelog directory with these fragments in it. Yes. Um, is that is that normal? Is it do I need to name it changelog or I assume that or does Town Crier let me specify what directory it's in or Yes, uh, uh, you can you can configure almost everything. Uh, you can you can decide how you call the directory or how to call the file that the that the changelog is written to. It's all configurable. And the file format is also not set. You can use uh, restructure text, or you can use Markdown. You can use whatever. Okay, you can use Markdown because I heard some bashing that you couldn't use Markdown with Town Crier. Yeah, well, people love to bash what they don't know, but um, <laughs> this is the problem: is that Town Crier never had great documentation, and this is what I'm working on right now because I want to fix it because this is uh, unnecessary. Like Town Crier um, suffered unnecessarily because it had features that nobody knew about and i'm trying to change that so. oh cool well uh looks so markdown's one that you can you can have uh files in markdown um any other cool features that we might not know about well it, <laughs> it depends what you understand under cool it's mostly uh, you have the need that you don't want conflicts on your changelog. And okay. then you decide between the tools that are available. And I think the most common ones are Blurb, which is from the CPython community, which is only made for CPython. So you you shouldn't be able even to use it. So that's right out. Then there's uh, Reno, which is coming from OpenStack which has a different philosophy entirely because the fragments stay fragments the whole time. Oh, really? Um, OK. It does assemble a change log, but it doesn't delete the fragments afterwards. This is what Town Crier does. Town Crier and Scriv, which I will talk later about, both when you release and assemble your change log will delete the fragments. With okay. Reno, they stay around. OK, so the workflow um, is similar to Scriv then, or Maybe it's all, yes. maybe all of these. Yeah. So if I, I make a change, so if I, let's say I've got a bug, I'm fixing a bug yes. and, um, and I, I have it on a branch, <clears throat> maybe a fork also. Uh, but I don't think the tools really care about that. Do they, uh, uh, depends. Um, okay. so Griff cares about, uh, your Git branch and your Git username. Okay. Um, Reno, I think, doesn't. I don't know that much about it, but Town, Town Crier does not. Town Crier cares only about one thing and one thing only, and that's the ID of the pull request. That's the number <laughs> that you have in the final name. The news fragments have a fixed format, which is the number of the pull request, then a, then a dot, and then the type of the fragment. And the types are assembled to groups together. Okay, so like in uh, looking at the PyTest stuff, there's um, there's a number, and that, so there's bug fixes, improvements, deprecation, doc, uh, 
so this is cool Tri- trivial um feature i guess these are these are not um are these defined by town cry or are these can be anything they can be anything those are uh they are defaults and they are clearly not the defaults what they're using here in pytest <laughs> i there's one feature that town crier has and i suspect that's what this trivial thing is that you can define a category which is not printed and then it just says um also the following issues or pull requests have been closed and it's just a list of numbers okay well like uh um, if i were to root like change something because the spacing was wrong or weird i i you don't need to list that so non-functional changes yeah there's changes that do not affect the user at all that are just uh something for the developers oh okay so it could be even like uh um uh updating some comments and something that's important uh but or refactoring exactly okay uh in the so uh, okay i'm 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 still. I guess I'm still a little confused. So I'm. I've got a bug fix, and I'm yes. kind of feigning confusion because I really was confused a couple weeks ago. But I've talked to a couple people and I'm starting to understand this. But right. okay. So I've got a ch- bug fix. I've got like let's say a, um, a fix for PyTest. So I've I've forked it, and I'm in. Uh, and I've got a on a branch, and I have a fix. It's um. At at what point do I fill out the the fragment because I don't until I in open a merge request I don't have this yeah, file yeah. number thing yet so yeah you don't uh, so either you just look and guess or you open it first and then you add the fragment this is okay yeah th- this is a bit annoying like I usually just uh, push it open a pull request and um, add the fragment and then force push it again so I don't have a uh, extra commit for it but this is you can do it however you want. Okay, but I could, yeah, um, I could do an extra commit and just push to the pull request. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or <laughs> I try to pull request to something, and uh, one of the other maintainers says, uh, "Nice, but could you fill out one of these uh, uh, these uh, news items?" Um, or that. I mean, <laughs> at this point, there's integr. Uh, uh, different integrations that will do this automatically for you. Uh, okay. Town Crier has a command for it too. It's called Town Crier Check, and it will check if uh, your branch has a news fragment associated with stuff that is not on the main branch. And there's okay. also GitHub Actions for that. So uh, this is automated. So it, you, it doesn't have to be always the maintainer to who is going to pester you. Okay, uh, automated pestering. That's always good. Yeah, it's the best. Nobody yeah. takes us personally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, okay, but uh, otherwise, you've got you've got the little file fragment, and and you said the format inside doesn't matter. Uh, no, I mean, it does not. Okay. Um, and then also the, the suffix doesn't matter. So you can like, for example, in my own project, I like to have it end in .rst or .md, so I can tell. Uh, so my editor knows what it is and give me syntax highlighting and everything. Okay. But that's voluntarily. That, um, for example, Town Crier doesn't use those file type suffixes. And uh, I don't know if well, how if does it us, but um, yes. Okay, you said it does. It can do uh, uh, restructured text or markdown. Yeah. 
I'm just talking about the file name right now. <laughs> right. But um, if you don't do it by extension, how does it know what you're using? Um, uh, do you configure it? It doesn't really or? care. Like Town Crier doesn't care at all. Uh, because you define a template, which is a Jinja file. Okay. And then you define how you iterate over the sections and how you render them into the file. And at no point does Town Crier interpret the data that is restructured text or markdown or something completely different. It doesn't really matter because you can do it however you want. Oh, okay, it's I just, get it. It's just plain text templating, nothing else. Okay. And so you you really are um, within your template defining what order these groups show up in stuff. Exactly. Okay. And how you iterate, like, like if you use dashes or asterisks or whatever for, uh, or you can you don't have to use them at all. You can make them um, paragraphs or whatever. It's just it's just a template. And then, uh, and then okay, so. When I and then at the end, when a merge actually happens, or I actually, actually it doesn't matter, things are merged, a bunch of stuff gets merged in, so we've got a whole bunch of these new news items. And then, yes. how does somebody take all of those and turn them into uh, into the change log? Is there like a command or something? Yeah, they run town crier build, and that will do all these things. Um, yeah, it will also get RM the fragments automatically. So it will write the change log and remove the fragments. Okay. And the and it since there's probably already a change log there, it like will probably what just stick it at the top or something. Yes. Uh, either it will stick it to the top, or you can add a marker where it should insert it. So it will it insert right behind the the marker. Okay. I think if you, uh, I probably can have a look at uh, Python's change log. And okay, no, it, it's hidden somewhere else. Oh yeah. Right, and uh, if you look into inside, there is a dot dot town cry release note start. And that's exactly where it will insert the changelog for the next release at that behind that line and before the next one. Okay. And then that stuff isn't something that shows up in the in the printed version or whatever. Well dot dot is uh is a rest comment. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's yeah. invisible by default. So this is something you have to change when you use markdown. But yeah, it works. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Um, one of the things that I was curious about. So the 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 main the main goal of this is is like you said to avoid merge conflicts because um, right. So if we just had the manual, if we just had the change log, and people added, edited that themselves, one they don't. I mean that that is is something that some people do. Uh, you you just have a instead of a version at the top of your change log, you'll have like in development or uh, unreleased or something like that, and people can add a line. Um, right. uh, but then, 
if there's multiple people doing that, you have to manually merge those pieces because it's going to be the same. If you're sticking with the same format, it's going to be the same lines. Uh, yes. And we and that's just a pain. Um, so, uh, so this makes it easier. So my question really is: you're not going to have that many merged conflicts if it's mostly just you. Um, so would you use something like Town Crier for a project that is mostly just you maintaining? I can answer this question with facts. Uh, I only use it for adders. This is the only project where I use it. I am considering to use it with Stratlock, but okay. even there, I usually don't have that many parallel um, pull requests open that it would make a lot of sense. So for for Strucklog, uh, uh, so far, and I'm guessing it's because you have mul mul more more people uh, contributing to adders. It's a pretty yes. big project. Um, and then uh, Strucklog is uh, is starting to grow. I'm guessing, but um, so what do you do in place if you're not doing uh, this? Are you doing a manual change log or um... yeah, just just regular uh, change log .md and just write it by hand. Okay. And when do you do that? Do you do that? Do you try to do it like as you make changes or do you do it um, like while you're uh, like right before release or something? Oh, uh, yeah. A uh, change log entry should always be part of the of the commit that brings the feature the bug fix. Otherwise, you will forget things. Or it's just a it's just a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, so it could be a two-stage thing then you could like every time you make a change you're adding to the change log but um at a release time uh you might want to go through and edit those and say well that's kind of kind of not not important enough to include or something do you ever take things out yeah sure i always before I release these bigger projects, I always also go through the documentation period and just uh, read the documentation uh, start to end. So the change log is part of it. And I always find some typos or some unfortunate um, phrasings or something. So this is part of my workflow anyway. Uh, really? But yeah. But the aspiration should always be that the change log is ready to release at any time. I really believe that because you lose context you lose nuance when you wait months until you work on a change log so so you really go <clears throat> i'm gonna come back to this because this is kind of fascinating you read all of your documentation before a release for a major release i mean it's not always 100 percent, but i usually go through it i definitely always read the readme and the okay. index pages that I do always without exception. Okay, Usually also cool. introductions and tutorials. I do not read the whole API documentation. That's that would be a lot of reading. That's pretty cool though, because there's those are things that people forget about. Like and if you change you improved a workflow, for instance, and there's a better way to do things with something, um, as an initial, like that's often an improvement that people make is like, oh. This was a little clunky before, and I've made made it the work the the default what people should do better. Um, but then don't then don't, don't update the tutorial. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, like tutorials, especially tutorials, should always be uh, read and reread and make made sure that they are correct because it's like the first contact for people, 
And if the tutorial errors out on them, that's not a good starting point for a project. Okay. Um, but there, so to uh, back to Town Crier a little bit, you, um, oh, I did do see it now that it's, I guess I didn't notice before that it was under the Twisted uh, group. Uh, so it really is one a Twisted project. Um, is this, so you're, you're trying to make sure, clean up the documentation a bit, maybe add some things that people are not using or add things that people don't know about. Um, is this yeah, taking literally a... today I have, uh, submitted like five minutes before we are recording, I've submitted a pull request to the how to about using it together with Markdown. Okay. Awesome. Specific, specifically for the keep a change log standard. So. Okay. I was going to, yeah, ask about that. The keep a change, you you can, so you, that it fits into the keep a change log standard as well. Then yeah. you can use down prior for that. I mean, there's one tiny problem is that in a keep a change log thing, you usually have a link to the compare URL on GitHub between two versions. Uh, this is something you cannot do with Tonkrai currently because you need to know the previous version. So this, but mm. I've just changed it to the link to the tag on GitHub. And I think that's good enough for now. Yeah. Those, the, the deltas are kind of cool though. I mean, I'm not saying are, that yeah. this is a problem, but it's something that people can manually add to an existing change log if they wanted to. Uh, right. Um, and that, and you you know the version, so you could you could do the delta. It's kind of neat. Uh, we we started doing that in one of the projects I work on, and um, and when it's yeah, and it, it, there is some manual bits that we have to do, like the automated part, like we'll that we've at totally an uh, extra script that we've done but in, uh, to automate what the last version was to stick this this in the line um but the uh uh conceptually you could do that as uh, part of the snippet i guess um um in one of the those little news fragments uh if you knew what the next version is going to be the next version is not a problem because the next version town cry will either find out if it's a python project okay it's going to read out the dunder in it or you can pass it as a dash dash version. So the next version right. is not a problem. This is why uh, in my tutorial I do link to the tag. Like you, okay. you can, uh, you can like yeah. uh, click on it and you get to the tag of the release. That's the problem cool. is the previous version. I mean, sure, this is a solvable problem, right? You could start parsing the yeah, change log yeah. or something, but then Towncryer would need to understand um, Our, my particular version numbers. Not just that, uh, but your changelog format. It would have to start parsing it, and that's a lot more complicated than just writing yeah, a yeah. template out. Right, and and uh, as we, uh, I'm not going to try to tell people how to do this either. But the for any particular project, it's automatable um, if you wanted to uh, to figure that out. But it always bugs me when they're wrong. So like like sometimes we'll like I had a I just built up project of version 191 and it automatically said what's the difference between like you know dot 190 and 1.191 but dot 190 actually was a burned version because our build failed and there was problems and but it got far enough that it burned the version and so we could have reused it but i didn't and so the real delta wasn't between 190 and 191 it yeah. was between 189 and 191 so and that's um, exactly the problem. Yeah, it's it's really not trivial. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's I always guess like it's, little it, it would things. be better to just tell people to run a substitution over it or something and not just do everything in that. <laughs> I don't know. But also, I think, I think it's anyway that that this I'm just kind of fascinated by all this because it's a it's a it's an interesting thing to I'm I'm actually considering doing this on a couple of projects where I really am the sole person, but I forget what I've done. Uh, so um, so it, maybe it's the the answer really on a, so, a solo project is just keep a change log <laughs> and and have at the top of it the uh, like the thing. Uh, um, but you, the thing, the changes you did with, with the structure, for instance, like I fixed a bug or I added a feature or whatever. Um, but, uh, but we still have the merge problem. So if I do this on two branches and I don't know which one I'm going to merge first, because I'm working on two different problems, I'm still, even with one person, I could have a merge conflict. Yes. So it might make sense to, if I'm, if that's the, my workflow of working on yeah. many things at once. It still might make sense to use something like Count Prior. Absolutely. Also, the fact that it forces you to commit a news fragment along with your code is, uh, is also useful. You can enforce it. You can make sure that um, you don't forget it. Yeah, and also the other thing that I that I that came up in one of my other conversations was the um, there's commit messages, and those are different than than these news fragment thing. Oh, God, right? yes. Like, this is one of my pet peeves. Like, I have two pet peeves about changelogs. The one is when a changelog doesn't have dates. And my other one is when people just recycle um, commit messages. Because commit messages are a completely different beast from what I want to tell the user. Because the user doesn't care about some implementation details that I've changed for whatever reason, right? They want to know what changed for them. Right. So uh, commit messages for me, even, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just always assume the, 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 for me, at least the, um, the consumer of a commit message is myself. Uh, when I look back on what I did, if I'm confused by something, I could look back on like some messages and also there, it's just one line for a whole bunch of stuff. So it's often not enough, but it gives me a hint of what I was working on. So I did these changes because I was fixing bug blah or something or attempting to. Um, but like you said, the, uh, uh, the, the change log entry or the news entry should be, should be the user. What's the effect on the user, right? Or possibly right. if it's a library, the, the user is the library or an API user or something. Yes. Yeah, still a user. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's this difference is that uh, also commit messages, I mean, different people have different opinions, but the majority of people do that. The commit messages are in uh, a present tense, like add feature, and change looks are usually in a past tense. And to me, that makes sense because the commit does that. It adds a feature. And the change log is a history that you look at and you say, okay, this has been added or this is different now. Oh, so. interesting. So instead of like, <laughs> um, the, the just the tenses, I'm thinking about that. Like, I, I for a bug fix, even I could just add a ed on it. I fixed a bug. Um, so this version fixed something. It's a minor thing, but it's interesting. Never yeah, think I'm sure your listeners will send you emails. So <laughs> I'm sorry for that, but. 
it is the most common thing is that to keep the commit messages in uh, the present tense. Uh, what I've seen too, by the way, uh, which makes a little bit more sense is that some projects don't use the commit messages, but the, the titles of pull requests, which also has the upside that you can edit them until you merge them. Actually, you can edit them later too, so. <laughs> Yeah, so this is like the the get using like the uh, there's like a GitHub action to to pull together all the merge titles and stuff like that. But, yeah. However, they do that. I just seen it, and I I'm gonna I don't like it because I usually or often have more extensive change logs, like more than one line. Some when I um, introduce a new API, sometimes I show an example on how to using the API because I want people to get excited right away. And I don't want to be limited to one line only, but at least it acknowledges the problem that a commit message is, is not a message for the user, but for the developer and um, promotes the pull request title as the, as the user-facing um, user information. Yeah, I, I'm actually just like right now looking at your uh, the change log for struct log because I was curious about the the form format that you use if it's just you writing the prose, anyway. Yeah, that's um, just hand handwritten keep a change log. Yeah, um, and then the uh, and so your hand uh, oh you are doing the the little compare links because you're handwriting them. Um, yeah, but. Uh, but the, it's one of the, I kind of like it. I mean, you're, the style is kind of cool. Um, I do, <laughs> this is a completely different topic, but I just noticed that one of your recent changes on Struclog is you switched to Hatch. Um, are you involved with the Hatch project at all? Uh, not directly, but I'm developing a fairly popular plugin at, at this point, which is Hatch Fancy PyPI Readme. Which really? allows you, yeah. So the the problem with static packaging in Python, which you, we had before, like with Flit or Poetry, is that your PyPI readme, so the landing page on PyPI, can only be either a static string or a, a static file. So many projects uh, just use their readme, and it's still a landing page. But I have higher standards than that. I like to extract certain parts of the readme and then and then maybe add the change log of the last release. So basically, if you come to PyPI and see a release, then you see immediately what are the changes on that release. And this is why I used the setup.py for a much longer time than I would have looked like uh, liked to do. Um, but now I've written this plugin for Hatch which allows you to say, give me this file, but only from there to there, then give me this file from there to there, and finally replace all these relative links by absolute links, and uh, what, what do I know, uh, issue IDs by links to issues. That's cool. I like to think so too. Okay, because I was just trying to do um, the, uh, so for instance, um, uh, that's one of the issues I've got. It, the issues I've got is so let's say I've got um, a project that's on GitHub already, 
And so if I link to documentation within the project, it doesn't, um, it work, might work fine on GitHub. But then when the, when the readme goes into PyPI, the relative link is just wrong because it's, it's not on GitHub, it's somewhere yeah, else. That, that's exactly what it's used for. Uh, okay. I've added these substitutions because Pydentic 2.0 will uh, use that. It's already merged. Okay. Um, and, and, okay, cool. So Pydentic. How, are you involved with Pydantic too, or do you? No, just I'm not. I'm it? not. Uh, okay. I just got pulled into this by Othek, the um, who is the maintainer of Hatch, and yeah. he's running around and helping people to migrate to Hatch. And for projects that are that have uh, interesting PyPI landing pages, he usually likes lets them use my plugin. For example, he did this with Black too. So yeah. So is this plugin available now, or is this something you're just yeah sure with? sure sure it's it's already used. Okay, so is it under your uh, uh, yeah? Where, how do I find it? Well, go to my GitHub, and okay. there there should be oh hatch. It's right at the top. Hatch fancy PyPI readme. There you go. Okay, this is cool. So I'm I'm kind of uh, I was a skeptic the first one. So. I was trying to uh, pull, pull together. It was actually my Pi, PI or Pi, the talk for Pi Bay uh, um, that I was uh, talking about um, packaging uh, PyTest plugins um, and hmm. specifically simple plugins. Like, just like I, I'd like more people to understand the packaging world so that people can share fixtures within projects. So, if they just have a, a cool fixture hmm. idea for their project, they can share it. Um, and and I started looking through all the, the mechanism and I, the, one of the happy things I found was that what the, having all this work fine with PyProject.tom on setup tools uh, now works, but it's in beta apparently, but uh, it's, I think, I don't think they're going to throw it away. Um, but then I found out about Hatch because it's in the, uh, some of the, um, uh, the Py packaging, Python packaging people's, documentation and it's kind of fun it's a it's not it's a little bit more i don't know how would you've used flit too before haven't you yeah so to give you a very simple description it's flit with plugins this is how <laughs> i would describe it overall it also okay. has a lot of features that I don't use and uh, I'm not interested in at all. Like I don't use the CLI interface at all. I just use Hatchlink, which is the the build backend. Yeah. And I edit my pyproject.toml files by hand. Uh, it has more features. It has basically a tox built in. Like it's called Hatch Environments, where you can define your environments and run commands or whatever. But uh, I don't need any of that, but it has these extra things. But the part that I'm interested in is a very uh, standard conformant build backend maintained by, by an extremely responsive maintainer yeah. who is following all new standards and implementing them immediately. Okay. And is also very interested in keeping it everything working uh, well. And yeah, that's it. These plugins is was the missing part that uh, I was missing from Flit. The, yeah, well, and one of the, the, there's some of the other pieces I was missing from Flit too, but the uh, the the hatch part, um, 
one of you you mentioned that it um you don't have you don't use it all it does more and that's actually one of the things i really like about hatch is it's not an environment that imposes a philosophy on you it's got a, exactly it's a tool chest you can use the tools that you want and you don't have to use all of them and it's i have very lightweight and it's also very robust it i in the time i've been using it i never ran into a legit bug which i cannot tell Say, which I cannot say about other popular packaging solutions that shall not be named. <laughs> uh, so we kind of got got off on a tangent about Hatch, but I do encourage people if they if they're unhappy with their current packaging things, uh, check out my talk and also Hatch because Hatch is cool. Um, um, so is there? So I will. I'm looking forward to looking at your your uh, documentation on how to do markdown with uh town crier because i i that was going to be a deal breaker for me i'm like i don't want to learn restructured text um too many years in markdown and and i know that there's limitations i know that that restructured text does things that markdown just can't and i guess i'm okay with that um that's not really true by the way uh so people conflate restructured text with sphinx uh, and uh, it's mostly Sphinx that has the cool features, and you can use Sphinx with Markdown too, just fine, okay. by using the amazing, amazing Mist extension. Okay, did that just blow your mind? Well, I knew about Mist, and I played with it a little bit, but I thought that a lot of the stuff that, like pulling in code snippets and stuff like that, I thought that you couldn't do that in Markdown, but you could do it in. Uh, you absolutely can. The only okay. caveat is that the markup in your doc strings for now has still to be restructured text. Okay. Well, to, I'm. It's worth it for me to try to figure that out. So I'll have to play with yeah. that. Um, it's getting less and less. Like it's it's really good. Okay, and this is through the Mist um, project that allows that makes that work. Yes, they okay. they're using basically code blocks to add those features on top of Markdown. And it works fine. Like there's a few rough edges, but to me that's worth it. If I because I really like to style my links, and it's so mind-boggling to me that I cannot italicize a link. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> but you you can with restructured text. Is that you can't. With, you can't. You absolutely can't. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, well, gosh, I always learn so much when when we talk. Um, um, uh, it, it, it's pretty neat. Any other cool like? Okay, so Hatch is the awesome. <laughs> Mist is awesome. Uh, um, uh, actually, and I, I, actually, I haven't used Struclog before. I played with it, but I, I actually think that I have a use case for it now. So I, I might be adding a Struclog to one of my projects. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> but um, you're one of the. I don't know if I've ever I've asked you this before, but I may have. Uh, you're kind of maintaining a few projects that are used a lot. Is this a how much? And you also have a day job and a life. So how much time is spent on uh, like open source stuff? Oh, this really depends. So I have this arrangement with my employer that I may use like twenty percent of my time on relevant open source work. And I'm saying relevant also because 
all the projects that I maintain, we also use internally. So okay. that's one thing. Secondly, I cannot answer this question straight away because uh, I work in binges basically on everything. So right now I've spent a lot of time on getting Tone Cryer into shape because I'm very bad at multitasking. And uh, for me, it's better to just spend one day on working on one thing and another day on another thing and not do three things per day and alternate between them. So, uh, yeah, but the answer to your question really is about 20%. And um, okay. it's not like, like, okay, Adders is used a lot, but it's also a very major project. So it's not like we have to work on it 24-7 uh, to uh, make it work, to keep it working. Yeah, okay. I have uh, one of the things that I've that I've hit is um at made at like other major versions like like for instance um uh, at when to uh, Python three ten or three eleven or a different Python version comes you have to you have to add tests to make sure that your your projects are being tested on the new versions but then also may have to make some changes um does does that ever hit you or has it not really happened anymore uh with track lock not really with adders every single time <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. literally every single time um it's mostly around the code that um does our slots magic so you can use slots something the data class is now added to in 3.10 but it used to be an adders only feature and you cannot add slots to a finalized class in Python. So you have to do some tricks. And once you start doing these tricks, you have to do other tricks. So other things keep working. And these corners really like to break. Okay. And they broke again for three for three eleven. But um yeah, we so far we always managed to get it working. <laughs> okay. Do, so do you wait when uh when do you start working on something like that or do you work on do you have a test that runs against uh just mainline python so with address it's usually that uh, at some point we get approached by uh by um what's this called lin uh by some linux distributions usually a red hat because they are packaging Python earlier and testing the packages they package against a new Python. So they run into these problems quite fast. Oh, cool. So you don't have to be proactive. You got somebody else like uh, well, I, I would, I would, like, I am proactive, but not that early. I usually wait into the, into the betas or okay. maybe into the RCs before I start uh, working on that. Definitely not in the alphas, and I'm. I think that uh, Red Hat usually always already starts in the alphas. Uh, that's too early for me. It's too broken. Okay. But RCs, what do they come out like three three months ahead of time or something? Or um, I don't know the numbers uh, anymore. Uh, yeah. But we are on RC two right now. Okay. So uh, Adders is working great with uh, Python three eleven. Yes, it does. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, the, the thing that gets that only that hits me occasionally is, um, so I've got a couple, a, well, a PyTest plugin. I've got a few PyTest plugins, but one of them that actually is, uh, kind of naughty and, uh, uses internals of PyTest. And that's, that's, so I got to test it against the new stuff all the time because it might break. Um, 
And for a while, I needed some help because uh, so uh, PyTest for a while was straddling Python 3.6 and earlier, I think it did 3.5 for a while. PyTest now is 3.7 and above, I believe. And uh, and that was good because there were some, there was uh, the, the, the plugin I had had, had like a different, um, uh, had to support, like it had, code that was like switched on which python version and i i hate having code like that in my code so um uh luckily i it's that's that's gone out now but um but but because well actually when when it's i gonna was, come back by the way is it gonna come back uh yeah it's, okay. it's, it's for me to say i hate it i'm so happy when i drop a version and just uh remove such a branch but it comes a new version and uh for example, now when you add 3.11 and you use Toml, so of course you can always depend on Toml Kit, but it's much nicer to use uh, the Toml lib, which now oh, came into right. Sonata Library. Yeah. So now, welcome to uh, if this version info uh, smaller uh, three, <laughs> 3.11. Okay, but every time I have to do that, one of the issues that comes up is now my coverage is is my code coverage isn't complete unless I combine coverage. So you've got an article on, I think it's you that has an article on uh, combining coverage uh, for multiple, uh, how to basically how to do that. And so I just have it bookmarked and I'm like, whenever I need to do that, I'll go read that again. Uh, I mean, I've got, I've done it enough times, but, um, but it is, uh, it's kind of cool uh, to have that resource. So please don't take that down. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Kind of getting off in the weeds now, but. Yeah, I guess um, I'm super glad that I talked. We had a chance to talk. I'm interested oh, in Town Crier. I think that uh, I think that Town Crier is less scary than I thought it was. When I first, mm. uh, when you first look at it, it's like there's all these numbers and the special snippets and how does it work? But the workflow of I just you just add this file snippet and then I've got a template. So there there's some setup work that I have to do. Um, but yes, but the rest of the workflow isn't tons for your day-to-day -day life, right? No, your day-to-day -day life is literally just creating the snippets. You can use Town Crier for that too. There's a Town Crier uh, create, a create, and then um, for example dash dash content, and then you can write the content right right in there, or dash dash edit, and then we'll start an editor, and you you uh, fill out your snippet and you're done. So for for day-to-day -day editing, it's absolutely no problem at all. The only annoying thing is that you have to open a pull request first to know the number for this for the news fragment. But other than that, it's okay. It's, so if I do it like a town crier create, is it going to ask me for the merge number or something? Or? Yeah, you pass it as a as an argument. Okay. So you say town crier create forty two dot bugfix dot rst or something like that. Okay. Okay, um, so I think I might play with it just to even on single projects just to see because the um, I think it would be better if more people used things like uh, Town Crier and or Scriv or whatever works for people's you know mind state. The I do kind of I'm kind of leaning towards um, so there's some projects that don't keep a change log in the repository. They keep it as a um, uh, just it's just a release note on GitHub since GitHub does release notes. Yeah, they usually use the commit messages. Then you can uh, say uh, automatically create change log, and then it just uses the commit messages. And 
as we've established before, this is not great for users. But it also doesn't live with the code. So if I clone the code, that's well, it's, not it's there. a commit messages, so it's part of Git, right? Yeah. Okay. So I can do a git. So I so I get do a git log and see those anyway. Yeah, that's what it does. That's literally what it does. Nothing else. This uh, release thing. Oh yeah, I don't. That's 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 horrible. I don't want to do that. Uh, yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. So I think this. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I'm. I'm glad you are on the. Uh, I'm glad you're on the case of uh, trying to make. Uh, kind of polish up the documentation and the onboarding a little bit. With yeah, I would prior. love if you would have a look at the pull request, which I opened just uh, tonight. And okay. uh, I mean, it's, it sounds like it was written for you. So feel free to give some feedback if anything is unclear and we can improve it further. I love being the major customer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Thanks. And if I uh, have any questions, I'll, um, I'll just uh, I'll ask. So thanks a lot. Um, and I'll let you uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and we'll talk later. Thanks, Henrik. Great discussion. The how to keep a changelog and markdown tutorial mentioned in the show is linked in the show notes. It's part of the Town Crier documentation and it's excellent. If you missed episodes 200 and 201, I encourage you to have a listen. 200 discusses keepachangelog.com with Olivier Lacan. And 201 discusses Scrib with Ned Batchelder. I hope this series was useful to you. If it was, please let me know. And maybe I'll do other series like this. That's all for now. Now go out and test something. <laughs> <laughs>